WHIVLP New Orleans 102.3. This show is Good Morning Comrade. You can listen every Tuesday on WHAVFM 102.3, WHAVFM.org slash listen. Uh, get more information at goodmorningcomrade.com. We got Jeff and Robert today, Skeleton Crew. Uh, oh. What's going on, buddy? Tired, man. This We're cutting this thing. This Corona thing is really throwing off our... Uh recording uh yeah the vi- we just record like whenever so like we're doing this one like the dead of night yeah the vibes are just like a little bit a little bit you know reeled in uh i breathe out a pretty huge sigh of relief today um at least for the short term uh in schools jefferson parish uh schools pushed back the start of school until the 26th of august um, which at that point, I think the entire coronavirus p- pandemic will be over, right? Um, absolutely not. No, you don't think so? Oh, no, uh, okay. not, 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 in, not in the plague, not in the plague states of, uh, of the, of America. Like it's never going to end. And I mean that I, I'm getting to the point where I know we haven't been doing this that long. Mm-hmm. And I, I think about like what people went through during the Spanish um, flu and the, mm-hmm and the bubonic plague and stuff like that, which was much more deadlier, like much more. It was, you know, people really thought like the world was ending, but here it's like, yeah, the world feels, I feel like we're going through the like revelations, but it's of our own, it's of our own making. We could be, we could be done with this shit. We're revealing ourselves. We're doing our own revelation of ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, I had a really uh, interesting conversation with a buddy of mine uh, today uh, over text, and he was just basically like saying, like, yeah, w- I mean, we've basically already failed, and everyone is just going to get COVID at some point, right? And I just kind of like can't look at him and be like, you're wrong. You know, I can't do that. Yeah. No, I mean, oh, yeah. It's like that's it's just not a good look. Like mm-hmm. there's just no reason. It's a big matzo ball. There's just no reason. Like this is just such a failed state at this point. Mm-hmm. Like I I mean I don't want to be alarmist. Like I think of again, think of stuff like Stephen King's like the stand and stuff like that, but it's just like this place this place just feels done. Like mm-hmm. we talked about in the last episode. We talked about like the fall of um, well, not even. I think we were just talking ourselves off offline, but we talked about like the end of empires and like this is exactly how it is. Like mm-hmm. all of a sudden, we're like we're like the the biggest baddest kid on the block, and then next thing you know, our passports are worthless. Yeah, or like in a sort of like I don't know in a in a historical sense or whatever, or like if you contemporaryize. Um, like history to a certain degree, or if you sort of like think about what I mean to say in, in stupid, less stupid words is um, if you think about like the end of like the Roman empire, for example, mm-hmm. as from the perspective of a Roman citizen, whether they lived in like, like if they lived in like Britain or if they lived in you know, like, you know, France at the time, or Iberia, or, you know, North Africa, or, you know, somewhere in the Balkans, like the ending time of that empire would be different for each of them, because it sort of like, has its high watermark. And then it sort of recedes, like down back down to like a sort of more base level, right? Yep. And so the idea of like, of the United States, um, like having its like, heavy levels of influence like it still definitely does because nationalism is a thing which wasn't a thing like in ancient rome 
Um, they're like the national identity has like like a certain amount of durability. However, like when you were saying earlier about having more of a like a broad projection of your like power as an as an empire, which is sort of like one of the defined characteristics, uh, it does seem to be rolling back. But we do still have like economic power and gumbo diplomacy like we yeah. still got that too but we haven't yeah. started flexing that yet that that'll be the last that'll be the last bastion of our powers just like we start to if we go this road if we go like this dark like into the world in a kind of road instead of just being somebody said i want to I, I just can't remember who it was because i just don't want to claim it as my own idea it's just that are we going to go or is our this empire's over the American empire is over. It's just, are we going to go out like Great Britain and we just shrug our shoulders and just like go stand in the corner? Or are we going to go out like Rome, like just fighting to the bitter end? And if we, if we choose to just try to just be like, okay, we've lost our standing in the world. Economic power is waning. Africa's on the rise. Uh, China, there's a new scramble for Africa, which is going like, this isn't theoretical. This is going on. There's a, there's a new scramble for Africa. China's, China's winning that. We are losing like all our soft power. If we just choose to go gumbo diplomacy and then try to just strong arm people. Um, That's already even... failed though, hasn't it? Yeah. I mean, I'm not talking about stuff like United Fruit Company and no, I know, I'm talking about, I'm talking about like actual, you know, I'm talking about gumbo diplomacy. I'm talking about Iraq. I'm talking about yeah, a, a, yeah, Afghanistan yeah, yeah, yeah. and like those have been huge quagmires. The, I mean, even if you look back at the seventies, it's a little bit different, but like Vietnam even. Like when you're starting to oh, sort absolutely. of like assert That's, power uh, yep. or attempting to assert power abroad just to sort of like like do it by force of will and you can't do it, uh, which seems to be the case, like more recurring um, within within the U.S., then, then even though we have the most resources out of anywhere in the world, we probably like eclipse the next like 10 or so uh, countries in terms of the amount of money that we spend on. Um, I mean, obviously, fact check me on that one, but um, like the, the the U.S. in terms of world investment, I use that word advisedly in um, in military conquests or whatever, uh, is so much. It's 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 like uh, it's more than fifty percent of the world's investment in that. Probably, I'm not looking at a chart, but that's what it feels like. And yeah. the, we can't even knock off like Afghanistan. We can't even like you know finish a war in Iraq or whatever. We can like overthrow the the uh, guy that we don't like, uh, the Saddam Hussein or whatever. However, we can't sort of like maintain control over that area for any period well, of time. No, that's the thing. Exactly, exactly. I was thinking about this today, and I couldn't think about what the context was. I think it had to do something. It had something to do with voting. But the con, but that doesn't matter. The context of um, doesn't matter. But yeah, it's really easy to use um, if you've got military superiority. It's really easy, and we 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 found this out as a country, like you said, uh, Vietnam, Afghanistan. Um, Afghanistan is it, always the maximum about Afghanistan. It's was the Afghanistan graveyard of it's a graveyard of empire, empires. Yeah, yeah, empires go to die. Yeah, you can take anything you want. You can you can take any hill if you have overwhelming force. You can take any hill you want. Keep but it, buddy. So, Try and keep it. But you, yep. But at some point, your empire needs consent. They need consent of the of the governed or the people you've subjected, whatever mm -hmm. you want to call it. They or need submission, some kind of, at least. At least, like, yeah. Like, so I mean, submission. Mm -hmm. They need soft power. Like the soft power is what lets you hold on to empire. Blue jeans, video games, culture. Um, Culture. culture is what helps you hold on mm -hmm. but once that's been rejected and your face it doesn't matter what your military power is if you're not willing to do total war because you know if you're not willing to drop all the nukes and just obliterate everything which is what you're not willing to do because why would you take it in the first place it was important enough for you yeah. to take to try to take it and hold it if you're not willing to do that and the populist generation after generation just will fight you and fight you and fight you you mm -hmm. will lose well, it, and it doesn't matter what your power is. And in in a in a real sense too. And this is sort of like I feel like I'm this can be construed in a way that it could be sort of like looked at as I'm trying to make an argument that, that uh like 
like the hard power, like we said, you know, the, the military power, um, is like I'm making an excuse for it or whatever, and it's just not being smartly enough applied. However, like one of the things about that approach to power or that, that works to like, work, approach to like projecting power is that like when you, especially when you have people who, um, have a religious basis for their for their resistance to what you're doing mm-hmm. um which means that if they fucking die then it doesn't matter to them they're gonna have you know ever ever living afterlife that's one of the like really powerful components of of religious warfare but also at the same time um like when you start to do violence on people they tend to dig in their heels and say f you you know what i well, mean it depends on where on, on it depends on where you're doing that violence um yeah. We're, we're kind of, I don't say we're getting off topic. We're just flowing. Like we're yeah. going into like a different, a, a different conversation. Yeah, that's but fine. It, I, the religious aspect doesn't matter. I, I think you're, you're overstating that. Yeah. Um, if you've read, if uh, Marine, the Commandant's reading list, one of the books that was on it when I was in the Marine Corps was uh, Sun Tzu's Art of War. And like, I think it gets yeah. over, like it's been so like Sun Tzu's Art of War, Art of War for like, dorky business yeah i think it gets art of of war for for poker for bagging ladies or whatever yeah it's so stupid but mm -hmm. like you actually read it as like a military manual it's amazing right um the idea one of the things i always talk about that you uh is death ground i talk about this all the time it's something you can actually apply to your life Mm -hmm. but sun Tzu's thing was you never put your opponents on death ground and what that means is even if you've got your opponents surrounded you give them an avenue of escape you always give them an out because once you've put people in a position to where they have they have nowhere to go, you've driven them to the sea, and you've given them no, no choice to fight, they they now have, even with an overwhelming force, those people now have an upper hand. They got nothing to lose. Exactly. When you look at places like, like why wouldn't Vietnam, why wouldn't Vietnam, uh, North Vietnam surrender? And surrender and do what? Surrender and go where? They were backed up literally to the sea. Mm-hmm. Uh, people in Afghanistan, somebody living in a hut. Why won't the, why why won't these why won't the Taliban give up? Why won't they these people like we've got you know drones? We've got give up to do what mm-hmm. to go where? And um, that was one of that was one of the principles of of of, Mar- of of martial warfare that like he he really was um, he he really was big on. And, and it's not can, like, Sun Tzu is how, not a new idea either, by no, the way. No. <laughs> and how you can like uh, how you can apply that to your own life, um, honestly, um, it's one of the things you can. I've done it myself. Um, you can really put your you can put yourself on death ground. Mm-hmm. So let's say like you, um, an idea of so you complain about your job like over and over. Like everybody will be like, "Oh, I hate my job. I hate my job. I hate my job. I hate my job." But then, but then you'll like not find a new job. Mm-hmm. But as soon as they fire you, and like all of a sudden you're worried about like how you're gonna pay the rent, magically like you you find a new job. Right. And that's because you are now on death ground. Mm-hmm. You are now on do or die. And use that sparingly in your life, you can do like great things. But that's a whole different topic. That's uh, I guess that's so Robert's l- philosophy. Let's dig into that though. Like I, I, I actually want to dig into that too because yeah. that can be a- a- applicable to sort of other theaters especially in the workplace i mean like again it's it, it might be a sloppy comparison but uh i'm gonna go with it for a little while because when i think about like people who are doing workplace organizing and um, i mean like i'll, I'll be very oh, like yeah. straightforward about 100%. like where my head is at right now like when it comes to like oh by the way you're a teacher and you have kids that are be coming back to school in two days I'm kind of feeling like I don't have a whole lot to lose you know what I mean absolutely so that's, like just throw e- everything yeah. it, that that can possibly be thrown at the wall and just do everything and don't surrender because like what the 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 the, the, the losing or like losing and surviving and losing and dying like like the idea of losing and surviving is worse than the idea of losing and dying and like in this in the workplace sense like losing and getting fired or losing and having to quit your job is like the uh the the sort of you know equivalent to death here i suppose you would say well i mean as you're a teacher man and you're like you're facing literal you're looking like literal death in the face this Mm -hmm. isn't figurative to you 
Yeah. I mean, you you go over there and one of these kids cough in your face and give you corona and you and you die, dude. Like that's mm-hmm. that's really what's up. That's or, really like what you're facing right now. Or not even like I die. Like the fact that I could kill some like I can contact coronavirus. I could bring it home and give it to my wife, give it to my mother-in-law, give it to somebody I don't know because I went to the store and, you know, breathe th- even through your mask. It's not 100%. Like the fact that like like the 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 spreading of this pandemic i had a friend okay uh i still have a friend she's still my friend she's great and she said and this was picked up on the news publicly at the school board meeting um she's a teacher and maybe we should have her on the show sometime i've asked her and she said yes and i just haven't followed up we shouldn't stop till we have every teacher in the united states on the show that'd that's be awesome to do every every single one of them well, anyway, <laughs> you know what? Mission, you know what? You Challenge go. accepted. Um, anyway, she said, and it was it was broadcast on the news at the school board meeting, that she had coronavirus, right? She had it. She had COVID. And at the same time, one of her parents, of her students, got COVID. And the parent died. And she couldn't help. But and I'm not trying to, like, be salacious about this or anything like like i can Im- not imagine what it's like to go through this um and i just talked to her today actually um but like she said that that, that she cannot help but think like did she give that covid to the kid and then mm. have the parent get the covid from her and she survived and the parent didn't you know like it's just sort of like a really big like screwing with your mind sort of situation even to go along with that too let me pause for station ID real quick, and we can kind of like push the conversation forward on that. You're listening to WHIVLP New Orleans, 102.3. This is Good Morning Comrade, goodmorningcomrade.com. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, what do you think about that, Robert? I, I think that's... It's one of the saddest things I'd ever heard in my entire life. Again, that's one of the weird quirks about coronavirus. It's mm-hmm. not... This, this... It's almost... I, I don't want to center this as like, oh, we're the, again, America and Americans are the most important thing in the, on earth. But it's like, it's almost like this, this thing. And I don't mean design like QAnon made in the lab. I, I mean, like just hypothetically, this thing is, it feels like it's almost designed to like destroy America, to go right <laughs> at us. Yeah. Because it's not the flu. No. It ain't, it ain't that, but it ain't the black plague either. Yeah, it's not like I leave my house and I just see, you know, bring out your dead, you know, guys collecting bodies. So it blows you into like thinking, hey, I'm going to and I've I've done it. Hey, I'm going to go to the beach. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm going to do this. Hey, I'm going to do that. Like, I'm going to catch the flight. It lulls you into that. But it's just and it's just deadly enough that you get to care. It's like it's almost like a an insect. Uh, I, I sprayed the house for fleas the other day or I put I use flea medicine on the animals. It's like the flea, it doesn't kill right away. It wants you to like take the poison to the rest of the flea hive. Right. And yeah. That's, like, that's what COVID is. Like it doesn't kill you right away. It wants you to like catch it and then just everything's fine and just spread it, spread it, spread it. And then it's going to take some of y'all, but not, not enough to burn itself out. It'll kill, it'll kill enough. You know what I find interesting about that? Um, because I mean, do you remember? It was probably 2015, 2016, maybe. Um, it was no, SARS. it wasn't 2016. No, it wasn't SARS. But do you remember when Ebola was like a huge concern for like, oh well, wow, yeah. somebody in New Jersey might have gotten Ebola. Yeah, uh, yeah, why yeah. isn't no, Obama? So that, somebody in Africa got. I mean, not Africa, but Texas got quarantined. Uh, yeah, yeah, like I've like had some this conversation. That's the thing. Like Ebola is like super deadly. Yeah. But Ebola will just like it's almost like the uh it's like the fast zombie. It's like it's the twenty here, here's the perfect comparison if you're into dumb movies. This is I love dumb Ebola movies. is the twenty-eight is the twenty-eight days later zombie virus. Yeah. To where it's fast, but if you and it's deadly, it's vicious, but if you can just get away from it for long enough, not even that long, it'll just burn itself out. It'll kill who it's gonna kill. Right. And that's it. And so the, we so, are so, in Romero's Night of the Living Dead zombies. Yeah, it's slow and it's lumbering, and you you think you can get away from it. You're like that zombie's not that close. I can juke that zombie, and then all of a sudden it's just you didn't see the one from the side. There's so many that, zombies. That yeah. Well, and 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 the, and the thing with that is too, like yeah, you can like when you have such a, I mean like, and it's not to say that like 
COVID does not have a huge body count and it doesn't like uh, for long terms, like I'm trying to like make sure that we're not like underestimating the um, transmittability, the lethality and also the long, even if it doesn't kill you, the like long term damage that COVID can do to people like that's not what we're trying to do here. But like the fact that that that, that it is a little bit more subtle. It's like a gentleman's pandemic or whatever. Uh, and Ebola is something that just basically makes people bleed out of their eyeballs. Um, like that's the one that you can sort of like say, okay, everybody needs to quarantine right now. If somebody has Ebola, you need to isolate them. You need to like bypass every law that there is. This guy does not have rights until he doesn't have Ebola anymore. You know, <laughs> like that's when you know, the, 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 like, um, I don't know. That's when sort of like civil rights go out the window, which in that particular situation, I'm not too mad about it. Right. But I mean, like, the thing with 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 COVID is that it wants to work the other way. Like, it wants to like actually reel in civil rights and like uh like like liberty right like libertarian with a small L rights, um, but also like pretend that it doesn't exist at the same time. That's the crazy thing about uh, COVID to me, because it's trying to do both the bad things and none of the good things. And when it's like a uh, when it's like a co when it's, when it's like a uh, Ebola rather, it's like very very specific response to this particular situation. You know what I mean? Yeah. And just to like restate, like you know, you've got QAnon wackos are just. I feel like the whole Republican Party is now just it's become the party of QAnon. But mm-hmm. they, you know, like this the Chinese virus, the China Wuhan virus, and it was created in a lab and whatnot. This would be a terrible virus. Again, just to say, this would be a terrible virus to use in any kind of warfare, something that let your enemy just fight for 14 days before they got, you know, a cough. Yeah. But this would be a great, but this would be a great biological weapon to use if you were trying to take down a, a, a whole, a whole um, culture or a whole, yeah. Im, a whole empire. Yeah. This like, is exactly like it, the kind of thing you would use. Like, like it wouldn't be China that engineered this virus. It would be like ISIS that engineered this right. virus. No, yeah, seriously. Because, like, yeah, because in terms of like response or what? First off, it would be ridiculous to think that like China would infect their and like so many of their own people with it on the front end. That's goofy. <laughs> like, that's the goofy thing. That's the goofiest thing to me. And it's just like, do you remember the stories about like seeing how people in China like were like absolutely just like ICU numbers just completely you know overblown yeah and like like um over, i mean to stay on that road it would never be like it, i'm open to now i'm also open to yeah on purpose would be stupid i'm also open to be like okay this obviously occurs in nature and then they had it like yeah. in a in a lab and they were um you know they they were um not testing it but they were researching it and then all of a sudden it got out i'm totally open to that that sounds like a movie plot well, let, let me tell you about. I don't know if you know this, because um, you know I used to work on the on the, uh, the the North Shore, the Tulane primary primate like testing labs or whatever on the North Shore in Mandeville, mm-hmm. and um, those like they've had um, they, Mon- they've monkeys had have escaped. Just, they've had primates escape from there. Yeah. So that's like like when people are like, oh, COVID nineteen, like like in the early early days of COVID nineteen, you're like, man, I wonder if it's in Louisiana. I wonder if it's in Louisiana. It was already in Louisiana because yeah. the CDC had already given the two lane primate um, COVID uh, the thing COVID. Yeah, they were researching it there. That's not a conspiracy. You can just that's normie. Like, I remember you know, I remember friends of the show, the Hunker Downcast, uh, Jeff Bostic. Uh, was talking about that on the Hunger Downcast uh, about in 2019, actually. Yeah, I mean, I've never seen that place. Uh, I only know it exists because I used to pass it on my way to work mm-hmm. when I used to go to work on the North Shore. But um, yeah, it's just this this thing. This thing is, le- I guess, in to kind of put a bow on this this thought is like this thing is perfectly not. I'm using the word designed as far as like nature, not like. It's Are you saying that God is but the this, greatest designer? This thing is, yeah, this thing is perfectly designed to just show every, it's a, it's to reflect at us every inadequacy of our culture, of our government, 
and to take down the American empire. And it's doing a wonderful job of that. And we're, we're the ones that are allow, allowing that to happen. Well, and then the other thing that it does in um, the sort of like put a bow on the bow, it, it exacerbates the existing sort of like inequities that exist within the society. And I'm not the first person to say this, right? But, but, but the fact that there is such an imperative um, to like, you know, using quotes with my fingers, restart the economy and make sure that people are like getting back to work as opposed to doing what the normal, like actual thing that you should do to prevent this pandemic from spreading and killing and killing more people. Um, we just crossed the 160,000 uh, victims uh, deaths of, uh, of COVID mark. Um, instead of doing that, you're instead of concerned about like being concerned about human lives that can never be returned. You're worried about like restarting the economy, getting small businesses open and like making sure that you make things are back to normal as opposed to like having the government give money to people so that they can continue to live in this very, very specific time where things are absolutely extraordinary and um, pretending that, that, that like there's a very sort of like gaslighty way that you kind of like say, well, there is no other option, but the, um, the way that things are um, kind of like in a cap. Uh, I don't know if you've ever read the book. I've mentioned it on this show several times, but capital realism is sort of like this idea no. that, Never read it. Um, I, I can lend it to you. Uh, this idea that that it's, it's easier to imagine the end of I still the world. Won't read it, huh? So I still won't read it. So it, save it. If there's a, like an, if it's, it's a short like one. Public domain on YouTube. I would listen, or if there's an audiobook, I'd listen to it. It's a short one. Um, but right. I will say, like, like one of the key like um, arguments that he's sort of, and it's not even initial like to Mark Fisher, who's the author, um, but the one that he sort of like you know takes for a ride here is the idea that it's easier to imagine the end of the world than the end of capitalism. Yeah. And um, so the idea of sort of um, distributing resources amongst people in a way that is not marketized, even in the midst of the pandemic, like if you contextualize it to this particular situation, um, it's still like unthinkable to not have like the existing market structures and forces or whatever that sort of control us, um, like continue to exist. So essentially like, it's just, a, it, it is death cult stuff is what I'm trying to say here. No, that's, we talked about that on the, our last episode, uh, that wasn't on the, on the radio, um, uh, on our podcast, we talked about, um, you know, I talked about my mother and you know, how, she's well-meaning um you know mm -hmm. bless her heart and all that but i can lay out the case of like hey this is why america's never been good it, like never ever and it's not your fault it's not anything but and then she'll say no this is still the best country in the world this is the best country that's ever existed and like because to crack that of like what that would mean to somebody who would say oh this isn't the best country in the world this isn't like the best thing going that would mean that they've they've lived their whole lives kind of everything i knew was a lie yeah, everything they know is a lie and like people can't they can't adjust to that like mm -hmm. they have a really hard time thinking of all the wasted time that they had when like i know just being lied to mm -hmm. yeah i don't know it's it's really interesting thinking about that particular idea in the like 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 this is like covid for that idea of like there is no alternative to like neoliberal capitalism the idea that it could be like put to this test and it would still like pass that test in a sense because it is doing that that's what's happening it's passing the test um the fact that we have not like had any real like you could say that bernie sanders was like a um uh, an alternative to capitalism that existed in a not pandemic time and when the pandemic rolled around bernie sanders was gone so like the 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 the, the tumult sure. that existed 
in the pre-COVID time, when COVID time rolled around, the alternative actually, the, the, the possibilities of alternative actually became more limited than they were, than they would have been otherwise. Yeah, because people got to protect. Yeah, you got to play like, defense. Yeah, people got to protect their, their, their capital. And capitalists kind of protect their capital. Well, not even just that. Like, like, if we're saying that we're having a popular movement happening and, like, the idea that, like, working people have an alternative that exists when the test shows up, when, 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 when the um, pressure gets dialed up, then the, the 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 unsafe option, you know, when you look at Biden versus Bernie, the unsafe option of Bernie allegedly, um, at least sort of like in the the way people think about these things, um, gets ruled out because people are cautious, like by default, and they would return back to um, this sort of like familiar territory. And so, like, change is less possible in that particular time of tumult and less people in the uh, death zone, as you put it earlier. Like, and I don't think people feel like they're in the death zone right now. Right. They're, yeah, yeah, yeah. And to, to go back on what we talked about, um, how it's not – and it's not bad enough to be for people to be like, I need, we need overwhelming change, like, right – we need a whole yeah. new society right now. Or, um, or the fact that like the the change which that it's is, getting there. If we keep going on this path that we're going on, bench. Uh, you want accelerationism, baby? You got it. Like here, here we go. But this is even a slow accelerationism. Yeah, you are listening to WHIVLP New Orleans one hundred two point three. It's Good Morning Comrade. We have Jeff and Robert on the show. We're talking about accelerationism now. Um, I, I do want to keep hammering on this point. Um, however, though that. The way that the the, the the ignoble death of the Sanders campaign specifically, and I hate to keep bringing it up because um, we've talked about this like kind of to death um, and everybody else has as well. But I think this part of it is worth exploring. Um, this sort of like moment in time that it sort of like ran into, like it was an absolute buzzsaw um, when when you have the you know crisis moment you have the hopeful like possibility and like before before um before the covid crisis like became real in the united states um sanders seemed to have a chance even after there was like that consolidation by the centrists of like all like running behind uh joe biden all at once um if covid hadn't happened at least the primary would have continued and like thinking mm. about it right now i mean it might not have i mean it could have gone I mean, it would it have, gone, but like sanders would have just sanders he probably would have he probably would have still lost but it, it, it's, it's impossible to say for sure but we can say that that what did happen is well holy crap, there's an emergency, emergency right now, run to the safe thing. And so, like, there is a not completely, like, it's not, a like, a gradient in terms of, like, when change possibilities happen because, like, I think that there was at least an appetite and an opportunity for change before things got really, really real with COVID, but then, like, after things get really, 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 really real with COVID, then people are going to be, like, pitchforks-type change, right? Yeah. So, yeah. like, there was a reflexive uh, kind of, like, switch to, like, the Biden thing because it's safe and it's comfortable and you're not... You, so, like, like, I guess you need to be in a certain position of comfort to even consider the Sanders option is what I'm trying to say here. Yeah, I just don't think that I, I, it has more to do with COVID than it does... Um bernie they were going to do oh, yeah. bernie what they're going to do to bernie no matter what that's that's what's baked that's baked into the system mm -hmm. but now with i mean i don't want to be ghoulish but now with covid and not even just i think more of um with the the summary execution of george floyd and now our our righteous reaction to it we have more of a chance to like that that needs to be the catalyst of changing society more yeah. than anything else we've got a long fight ahead of us but, but I, i'm really encouraged but because of people's actions in the street 
and that's those street actions are turning to to actions um within our normal like avenues of government so when you've got um the people that are getting elected right now uh, nationwide. Cori Bush, shout out yeah, to her. Yeah, Cori Bush is she comes to mind. Um, I'm way more. I, I'm if we're gonna do, I, you know, if we're set, if we're heading down an accelerationist path, I, I I really proud of the people the way that they're responding to 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 this. Right. And we're not just sitting back and just letting letting it happen to us. I have, another I have way of, more mm-hmm. way. I have way more uh, enthusiasm and hope than I did. You know pre pre covid mm-hmm. pre uh murder of george floyd yeah i have a question about the sort of um durability of these kind of projects not i don't want to get into like the the cultural war thing about it like that's been kind of beaten to death uh the idea that um like like these kinds of like like black lives matter movements are some in some way um, opposed to like more like class-based concerns or whatever. I'm not interested in that, but I am interested more in the sort of durability of this particular type of movement. Cause we've seen black lives matter type organizing pop up at very critical moments, um, specifically moments of high profile, um, like violence and injustice by the state on, you know, you know, black and brown people, and it it, it flares up and it and it lasts for, uh, a, you know, a good couple of months, and then it sort of seems to me at least to be something that kind of like recedes like a tide, but until the next time, is that something that you've noticed or is that um, maybe I'm not reading this correctly? I mean. Say say one more time. Say uh, so. My point here is that, that like like so um, there's I, I there 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 is a certain response. like reactiveness to um the sort of like movement for Black Lives um that and again this might be a part on my a problem on my part in terms of you know not being close to these movements. So let me let me put that part out there like in the front. I'm not trying to um cast any judgments or aspersions or anyone or any movement to be totally frank about it. Right. Right. Put that out there real quick. But it does seem like there is a, um, a, 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 a momentary sort of like flare up of these kinds of, um, of these kind of movements that sort of recede into the background when, when the time, when there's no like most recent like national narrative to organize. Behind. I got you. Um, and, um, and again, I say this not to be provocative for sure. Uh, I say that just as a kind of a study, like a, like a way to sort of like examine, like, is this something that is uh, a good anchor for like movement, generally speaking? Well, here's the thing. I got you. And I know I would normally agree with you, but the only thing. We- OK, so the idea with COVID is if we're going to separate the two, if we're going to talk about like. Um, police malfeasance and and covid um but you don't have to do that by the way no you don't but just to give you an idea like the government like you know it's already been leaked by the not leaked but they're just so dumb that they just say dumb things you know the trump administration says that oh that we're just people are gonna die and we're supposed to just like take it on the chin to quote boris johnson and just suck it up herd immunity like these are acceptable losses and to to a degree, I've heard that argument from from like everyday people, which is a ridiculous argument because you're you're the, you're you're it, it comes down to something in human existence because we're only capable of of without you know really practicing our, our skill of empathy, we're only capable of thinking about ourselves, like we're only capable of of, of recognizing reality through our through through like the prison of our own like a very you know, personal body. lens a very personal so, lens yeah yeah we all think we're the heroes of our own movie which yeah. isn't it that's not it at all then ain't um, it chief but that's why people like go along with that uh now as far as like police malfeasance here's the thing and i i put this out to like uh i i i sent the mayor um the uh Toy Cantrell had that little that text campaign or whatever where it's like, hey, text me your your issues. And I'm like, hey, I, I know like things are going. I text I text her team and they actually got back with me and they, you know, we had like a 
a couple like text conversations. And it's actually kind of neat. Uh, I have to give him props for that. But uh, it's like, hey, here's the thing. Um, I know that everything's peachy keen right now. Uh, the police have like chilled out after, you know, they, they've been shamed because they tear gas people on the Crescent City Connection. And, uh, you know, everything seems to be going okay now. But unless you defund the police, unless you change your culture, the one this is going to happen over and over again. Because the one thing we know for sure is that the police are going to still be, uh, murder unarmed um, innocent people and, and bring excessive force to situations where it doesn't apply anywhere in the U.S. So if you don't deal with this now in the city, um, you're going to feel the repercussions of it, even if it's not affecting us. You know, where it hasn't ha the, the NOPD hasn't murdered anybody in cold blood in a while. Um, but it doesn't right. matter because if it happens in Topeka, Kansas, you're going to feel it here. So you might as well deal with it now. Right. So my, my point is that, yeah, so this thing, you might see protests, you might see riots, you might see calls to, you know, protect uh, black and brown people. Uh, you might see that. And then you might see that energy dip. But the one thing ghoulishly that you can depend on is the police to play with their toys. Oh, yeah. And they're going to no, do no. that. So you don't have to worry about where that energy is going to go anymore. We've already got a baseline for like what we're not willing to pull up, put up with in our society. And, and we've hit that line. So now we need to take that line and keep pushing it forward and go, okay, not only are we not going to put up with, with you murdering um, people in the street over suspect $20 bills uh, by leaning on their necks, we're also not going to put up with uh, police resource officers in our schools anymore yeah. and turning our schools into mini jails. We're not going to put it, and we just push the line further and further and further until we get the society that we want. So, it's what Republicans do. Yeah. It's so, what the right wing does. They have a long multi-generational project. They I, understand the long game. It's time for us to do that. I'm hearing you and I'm agreeing with you on a lot of this stuff. My question to that is the so you're saying you're getting responses in texts. Is there a response? Is there a change, especially in the long term? Because uh, uh, when we talked with friend of the show, when I talked with friend of the show, um, Ben Yudishin, uh, in addition to like a, 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 a defund the police um, sort of resolution that went before the city council, which I'd have to talk to him to get the resolution of it, which is good. Um, like when when he talked when they talked to like Jenny Durkin, who's the, the the mayor of that city, essentially what they did was um, put a you know thirty day you know. Um, moratorium or whatever on the use of tear gas by the state by the by the you know city police and they were like boom there you go there's your reform is that what you want you know like like stuff like that so like I guess my question is is this something that gets a response that is long term and not lip service so that like you don't have like a woke looking mayor or whatever just trying to be woke, like trying to like score points that's the see, and that's what you have to be careful of. That's what's yeah. always that's killed movements. So you have to have leaders that are willing to say, um, "Oh, okay, so this is a victory. Everybody should, everybody should cheer. Everybody should applaud themselves. Everybody should take a breather because we won X victory of. Uh, I think of our city. I think of New Orleans. Oh, um, the police aren't allowed to use tear gas anymore." Um, Oh, uh, we're not gonna that that new like multi-million dollar building that, that was gonna expand the jail is no is is being voted down. So we're not gonna expand the jail. Those are all victories. But we need leaders in the movements who are not gonna say, okay, we did it, guys, and everybody go home and be placated. We need mo we need leaders to is like, you guys did it, take a breath, see you back here tomorrow. And, and you know what? Those are footholds. Those are those are those are footholds in the door. That those are the wedge theory of like you take that log and you and you split it with the with the smallest part of the wedge mm -hmm. and you keep hitting it and all and then you keep hitting it and you keep hitting it then you crack that you crack yeah. that tree in half. You know it's one of the, the the most interesting things that I've seen and I've gotten pushback on when um, things happen. So like when the administration that is nominally your adversary does something that you force their hand to do. There's certain uh, there's a certain reluctance to acknowledge or even sort of like give a rhetorical credit 
to that concession. Uh, so, so t- like, like for example, if there is an ordinance tomorrow by the you know city of New Orleans, for example, I'm just throwing out a like a random example here, to say that um, we're going to stop using tear gas or rubber bullets or whatever, right? Let's just say tear gas. Um, there's like a like a, a very understandable impulse by organizers and activists and and like community groups or whatever whoever's like like trying to get that concession to say like we're not going to give you any credit for this concession because we forced that concession and 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 i think that rhetorically speaking that's the wrong note because like when you sort of acknowledge that your enemy did something that you wanted them to do and say, well, screw you, you did the thing because we made you do it. I think that what you're doing is like you're not giving them any kind of pressure, at, le- at least in the way that people look at these things, to to do that thing. There is actually a, like a, an affirmative like carrot and stick sort of approach that can be a part of it. And like you don't want to say like this is a huge victory or whatever, but you want to say like, oh, yeah, great, you did the thing. Nice job. And now we want all these other things that are much more meaningful. You know what I mean? No, exactly. Um, Let me pause for station ID and we can kind of like continue. You're listening to WHIVLP in the world. 2.3. Good morning, comrade. Uh, Yeah, it's it's just one of like one of those sorts of things where I don't know if it's a pride thing or if it's something else. But like there is a reluctance to sort of give credit for like... Even in a cynical way, if you want to look at it cynically, like saying like, oh, nice job. I, I really genuinely appreciate you uh, not gassing us this time. You know what I mean? Sure. I don't know. What do you think about that? Um, you just you just keep fighting them. You have to understand that like it's all about what what your movement is actually about and i think the hardest thing is not fighting the enemy like the hardest thing in this country is not getting your um not getting your movement co-opted by by people who are just like looking to either by by the actual you know legitimate you know alphabet boys of the government and something like cointelpro or just people who want a social climb and they want to make it just high enough to like rub shoulders with um with the people that you know you, you think are enemies, mm-hmm. like I know a guy. I know a guy right now. Like I don't know him. No, I don't know him. But um, man, I'm I'm sure like somebody somebody in Louisiana listens to the show that that knows him. Um, he was the whip for our, for the Bernie delegation in '16, and as soon as like '16 was over, he got buddy buddy with the um, the Louisiana Democratic Party, which is like my sworn enemy. Which is, like, <laughs> I don't understand how you can be a Bernie delegate. And then and then want to get cozy with those people. It's because he want because he wants to run for office. Well, you don't think Stephen did a good well, job? He's working the room. No, not not Stephen Handelwork. I'll call him out by name. He's not good, <laughs> this kid I'm thinking of is he's an actual good person. He's just he's a good person, but he just wants to play the game. But no, so, Stephen Handelwork's just trash a trash human. I have a, I, have a Mac- I, ne- I never like him. I never trust him. I have a question, sort of like on that avenue, um, because. If somebody who's like doing that thing that you're like 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 bringing up, like the idea that he's sort of um, playing that game or whatever, and he's actually able to do some kind of good change, is that a bad thing? Depends on what his motivations are. Like when you say do some kind of good thing, like okay, think of implement Medicare for right all, now. for like, example. Uh, on that grand of a scale, then that's that you're not playing the game. You're running the game. Right. If you're doing that, but like, yeah, Nancy Pelosi's done good stuff. Right. But would you think of her as like a, a, a net benefit to our, what has she done? Know, what has she done? Good. Um, she's, I'm sure she said, Hey, you guys better stop being bad over there. <laughs> we're hey, going to resist she, over here. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I know, guess the thing that you're, I, I, yeah. So, so I guess when you do have it, John Bell Edwards has done good stuff, like as a as a centrist Democrat in the mm-hmm. in Louisiana. But would I consider him an ally? No. No. I would consider him. Not. I would. I would consider him if I had any sway in the in Louisiana politics. I would consider him a lever to be worked. Right. Not an ally. 
I'm really interested interested in that distinction, like between a lever to be worked and an ally. Like, is there a very like clear line that delineates those two things? Sometimes there's not, and then sometimes there very there there is. Mm-hmm. Like Joe Biden, like Joe Biden, if he wins in November, is a lever to be worked, not an ally. <laughs> right. Yeah. His administrations are just levers to be worked. Right. Uh, the Bernie Sanders administration could have been if it, it could have been the same thing. Like you don't know. Like when he got in, he could have become like if he won, he could have become super compromised and not compromised, but he could have been the compromised guy. And I would have. Everything in his nature that he's ever shown me shows me that that's exactly how he would govern. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would look at him and his body of work and be like, oh, here's a guy who's like, his body of work has told me that he has um, good faith intentions. Right. Yeah, but, he's definitely got some cred, um, yeah. for sure. Uh, and, and, and some of this, like... A lot of this stuff is kind of like playing, like 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 playing jazz a little bit. You know, you go on a little bit on feeling, you go on a little bit on evidence, and kind of working from there. You have to like look at what they're claiming to stand for. You have to look at who they're associating with. You have to look at who how they're funded. Um, I really, I think it's a really interesting conversation, and I also kind of like think about the way that the because there's especially in like dsa circles there's a lot of like high-minded talk about like what a grand strategy or something should be for how to engage with the democratic party and to have these ideas like the uh are you familiar with the like the dirty break or the realignment and all these other things are you familiar with that at all no so like the dirty break idea is this idea that um, like we would get a couple of like AOCs, like people like her, like Rashida Tlaib, Cory Bush, um, Ilan Omar, get them to get a certain amount of capacity within the Democratic Party to the point where they're able to break off and like create a different party. And then there's this other approach, which is um like a realignment strategy which is sort of like wrestle down the democratic party to make it like make it become the workers party mm-hmm. and i'm kind of like looking at both of these ideas and looking at these both of these perspectives and i'm like they're both um both of these strategies don't necessarily um take into account what's happening now you know what i mean like, they take into account what could happen if this and that and the other thing goes a certain particular way. But, like, the way that, like, you, you sort of, like, need things to go into a certain direction for either of those to be possible. And it doesn't give you very much of a um, prescription to what to do for what, for what to do now. You know what I mean? Other than like get a bunch of AOCs elected or like like embed yourself in the Democratic Party, I don't know. What do you think? But even then, like yeah, but okay, AOC's great. I would vote for you know if we had a million AOCs, I'd vote for them a million times over. But even then, you've got to somebody like an AOC. The siren song of like open bars and lanyards is just it's so strong. You've got to you got to check those people all the time. Right. That's the one thing. That's I mean, that's the one thing I could say um as far as like going back to when I said I was the delegate for in 16 for Bernie. I get it, man. Like I when I started going to like DNC things and like I was on the platform committee and I, I got, you know, I got invited to the Good job on that committee by thing. the way. Thank you. Thank you. Um but we got uh you know, got invited <laughs> to the the what you call it the the convention and i had you know i had like 50 different lanyards and open bar and everybody you know people didn't know who i was so everybody assumed i was important and you know <laughs> and, and it was like seriously and they were you know, right they were right i had i had mitch landrew come up to me because he saw my like louisiana delegation thing and wanted to like talk to me because he didn't know who i was he was just <laughs> like you know i here i am and uh, you know a middle-aged guy and you know i've got the mayor i've got the mayor of the city want to talk to me um uh, yeah, and there's I can a lot see of glamour. Used, I see how you get used to this. Mm-hmm. I can see how AOC 
you know, go from being a bartender and now she's got her own office and people working for her and she's having expensive lunches with, with people and, and, you know, everything's open for her now. She's living right. life. She never imagined she would be living. And like, this is pretty comfy. This is pretty nice. And that's why people from the proletariat have to continuously check those people. Or at least like continue like to we build got our people in or like what? continuously build pressure, like continuously, ha- like, 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 again, like, like the funny thing about those, those, those like models that I kind of like just articulated is like, like neither of them are right, but also neither of them are wrong. They're both possible, correct answers, even like at the same time. Right. But, 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 but the, 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 the point is like how do you build more generalized power right now what institutions do we have that we can do that in and like you know what my answer to that question is going to be right no labor unions labor unions (laughs) it's like always the answer for me which is so boring but it's not though like we're labor unions it's not boring at all. It's like the source of power. Attack forever. Yeah, it's true. But like the source of like all like, like, like that is the one working class institution that you can rely on, right? The one that's not going to go anywhere, even if it goes, if it gets, you know, membership gets cut in half again, like unions are still going to exist. You know, it's like the barnacles on the uh, ship of capitalism <laughs> to a degree. No, I hear you. I mean, they're always, I mean, it's, they, they try super hard for them not to exist. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's something you can't, you know better than me. Mm-hmm. That's just not something you could take for granted. Like every, every union has to be protected. Like, you know, it's Moses down the Nile mm-hmm. and fought and scrapped for because oh. it's always on the table, man. Like it doesn't matter how, how, how much union power has waned in this country. The right wing wants it all gone. Yeah. And, and like, like it's not even something that you like have to like protect. Like it's something that you just literally can't get rid of. Like if you're capitalism, then like, like um, capitalism is the restaurant. Then like uh, labor unions are like the fucking rodents and the vermin and like the fucking you know like all the like most um, the most like wretched part of their you know in their opinion of the society that they're trying to like exterminate and they just can never do it. You know what I mean? I don't just don't think it's possible. Mm. Maybe that's um, a little bit, you know, Pollyanna-ish of me. But I just, I don't know. There, like, I think history would 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 sort of like vindicate me on that point. Sure. Like, I'll defer to you because you know way you know more about labor than I'll ever forget. Are you forgotten? You know how that goes. You've forgotten more about labor than I'll ever know. I mean, I'm not like a, like a like a brilliant person or anything. But like, yeah, it's but just you're living of, it. That's true. Um, anyway, so uh, I guess we should probably wrap it up. You are listening yeah. to uh, WHAV LP New Orleans 102.3. This has been Good Morning Comrade. You can get more information about our show, Good Morning Comrade, on goodmorningcomrade.com. Uh, you can you know check out all of our back episodes, uh, all of that good stuff, goodmorningcomrade.com. Uh, so we're going to have a Thursday show coming out. This Thursday, we have a very um, fun interview with... Who is it with, Robert? Um, uh, YouTuber uh, Andrea, Mm -hmm. who also goes by the uh, pseudonym of CyberDemon531. And it's going to be a lively discussion about video gaming, um, reactionary politics, um, swatting. Transphobia. Yeah, great. A bunch of really cool stuff. (laughs) Swatting and transphobia. Where do I sign up? (laughs) You sign up at uh, you know, that place where you download podcasts. Yeah. Well anyway, uh yeah, goodmorningcomrade.com. Uh you can also get all of our back episodes on WHABFM.org. Um, all right, buddy. Well, thank you. I think this was a really fun and interesting sort of uh you know, meandering journey, wide-ranging conversation. Appreciate it. Yeah, you. it was nice yeah. to have a little sleep and then do a show. Yeah, a little nappy show. All right, everybody. Talk to you later. Love you all. Bye. bye.